Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, back in Dallas, Texas, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? Uh, it's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else as well. If this is the first time you're tuning in, make sure you hit the subscribe button, both on YouTube and the podcast side of things. Before, we were saying you had until July 1st to download our backlog. But guess what? Now you have probably a couple more weeks because we're running a little bit behind schedule. Uh, but be on the lookout uh, for the app that we're going to be um, launching in the near future. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a premium app uh, where you get access to a bunch of content, all of our backlog, and some other ideas that Jeff and I are, are thinking about uh, to make it worthwhile for everybody uh, that's a part of it. It's going to be $7.95. And you know, the way we think about it is focuscompound.com will always be a stock research website only. The premium app will be um, the podcast backlog, and we will also have other forms of content, really more behind the scenes type of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then, of course, we have everything else that we do, uh, Focus Compounding. But that's the difference between the app and the website. So we're back in Texas, okay. and we had a great trip. It was two weeks long. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting? Sunday night, so we got back July 4th, which was Saturday. Mm -hmm. And Sunday night, I was thinking, I was like, you know, when you're in the swing of things, mm -hmm. we were gone for two weeks. It's easy to keep going. Okay. But when you come home that first day, I was thinking, I was like, if we had to go somewhere Monday, I'd be like, dang, that I'm like exhausted. Okay. You know, I'm tired. But like when you're in the swing of things, I'm like, let's just keep going. Let's mm -hmm. keep going. But it was a very productive trip in a more COVID relaxed uh, environment. Ideally, we would like to be on the road every month for about a week we're mm -hmm. still going to try doing that but you know being i guess socially responsible and as much as we possibly can um mm -hmm. but it was a very productive trip wouldn't you say so yeah yeah it was a very productive trip what was your favorite part about the trip uh we met with management of some companies and that's usually my favorite part yeah uh -huh. yeah so we met with a couple managements and you mm -hmm. know here's what's interesting i was explaining this actually in a, a recent letter is when we are on the road, we're not just meeting with management the whole time. So sometimes we Correct. meet up with investors to talk about stocks. Sometimes we are you know, spending time in the area where the business operates just to get a feel for the local economies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we talk to management, which is obviously you know, something that's great to do. Um, you know, so there's a lot of other things that we're doing, I guess, really to fulfill the time. Um, you know, and I think it's incredibly productive. Why do you think more professional investors don't do this? I know in past podcasts, you said, well, maybe some people that are individual investors, they don't have time to do this. But why do you think more professional investors don't do this? And actually, last night, I was reading some more of Peter Lynch. Okay. And I was tweeting about it, how the one quality that I really look up to him mm -hmm. um, is his sheer willpower yeah. in just being completely relentless. Mm -hmm. He was on Charlie Rose and he said, when it came to work, I had one gear only, overdrive. Mm -hmm. Right. And which is why he burnt out, by the way. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was talking to someone and they're like, well, I posted a tweet about it and they're like, yeah, but he worked for 12 or 13 years and he doesn't work anymore. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, he also made a ton of money and he was burnt out. So that's probably an easy decision to retire at 46. And his father also passed away at 46. So I think mm -hmm. that kind of psychologically probably had some impact on him. But um, why do you think more professional investors don't spend time i think that is a big reason we were somewhere where someone said uh someone was like so do you two have families i mean <laughs> it's like sure. we we should be doing these things but none of us are doing it you know why yeah. not um so i think that's a big reason mm -hmm. uh i think it's optional um it's not considered mandatory so that makes it easier mm -hmm. um and then i think to some extent there's a the thing about being 
busy versus what's the most productive things. Uh, investing things are a little complicated that way. And often the things that are most uh, work producing, the most busy, keeping you looking busy and stuff are not very productive from the perspective of like me being able to come up with ideas and actually invest in them. So for us, um, some things, finding an idea in the first place, which could come from talking to someone or um, could come from reading all sorts of, you know, message boards and, and um, Value Investors Club and blogs and, and then talking to people too. Um, that's very, very important. And then the other very important thing is like tracking down that idea that looks interesting. Um, running screens keeps you busy all day, but ha- isn't historically been like a useful way of me actually finding things. Um, reading lots of reports on things hasn't really been that useful, but you could spend your days doing that. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that fall into that. It, it doesn't look like work when we travel that much. Um, I mean, people can think about like the management meetings, but those are fairly, um, you know, we met with management that would be like, um, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe we spent eight hours or something doing that in the entirety of the trip. If you just take the moments that we're actually talking to management in those cases, I think, Mm -hmm. um, not a lot more than that. So most of it is spent doing a lot of other things. Uh, and then it's somewhat unpredictable, but that's the thing about the investing stuff, about everyone's approach to investing that works. It's very unpredictable in terms of if you will succeed with finding um, an answer that you want. So like in two cases I can think of, we did not speak to management and would have been very, very important to because there was stuff. So in one case, there was stuff before we went that made me very interested in the company, but then we just couldn't talk to anyone on the inside. And then in another case, um, when we were on our trip, I discovered things by looking at the area and stuff that made me much more interested in a stock, which I hadn't previously been that interested in. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have picked up on that. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, you could get the demographics on the cities that they operate in because that's what you're talking about, right? You like the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all information that you can get on the internet. So satellite images, um, you know, demographic uh, you know, income levels, all sorts of stuff like that. It's possible. But why yeah. is it different? Because I, I do agree with you. It is different. And here's the thing too. If you do talk to people, a lot of times that are critical mm-hmm. of doing some sort of in-person scuttlebutt or they say it's just nowadays there's no information edge or there's no advantage to doing that. You'll ask them, what type of scuttlebutt have, scuttlebutt have you done? And oftentimes it's they just haven't. So I'm like, how can you judge that when you've never done it? Because for me personally, I think it's incredibly productive. And even becoming a better investor you know i mm-hmm. think and it it's at least helped me out a lot i would say right well actually we we'll do uh we can say one that isn't a big deal um we were going to go into new jersey and, and then hopefully new york and stuff but because of things that happened with covid between the time we were planning our trip and when we actually took it and it was on the back half of the trip that we got there um that wasn't really possible so we did however go to maryland to see um, uh, for different things, but we were able to see a village supermarket because they own two in Maryland. And you were saying how it was different than what you expected from looking at. You're like, this looks just like a Kroger and stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, which you were expecting a little bit different sort of place from that, from having read about in the past. And that's true. Um, So even things like that are very helpful sometimes experiencing it firsthand. Mm -hmm. The, The biggest thing is experiencing it as the customer would. And so businesses where that's the case, I think it's very helpful. Um, And it's the combination of the two things. So I don't want to say that you go on these trips and do these things without having read the financials and all that. 
Um, but the two of them working together is usually a lot more helpful. Uh, but it, there's also a difference that in terms of investment style that matters. We put a very high premium on how a company earns the money that it does. Uh, and that's not necessarily true for other types of investors. Uh, we talk about that a lot on this podcast and stuff. The same amount of earnings from different sources, I would have a different degree of confidence in. So I'm not going to buy graph tech or something like that. Um, and for that reason, it's very important to go to these places and get a feel for the customers, for management, for the places that they're in and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. And another thing that we always do is we just see if there's any competitors in the area. Mm-hmm. So to use your village supermarket, you know, uh, example, you could, mm-hmm. we, it's not like we did this cause I think we've all been in a Kroger or whatever, but if you do come across, I guess like a supermarket or whatever, you could stop if, and, you know, sort of evaluate them as a competitor, uh, to that company. But everywhere we sure. go, we usually, um, spend some time, I guess, from a customer's perspective, going to what could be a competitor, even if you don't consider them a, a mm-hmm. competitor, there's a difference between, and you actually wrote about this recently, a peer and a competitor. I would personally consider right. them a peer, but it's good to do that just to get ideas, you know, see what other people are doing, get a feel for the industry, everything like that. Yeah. Well, that's actually a really good example because in that case, Kroger is not really a competitor and to a very small extent, Walmart is not really a competitor of village supermarket to the extent that people would think in the rest of the country. In most of the country, people would think that their main competitors are Kroger and Walmart. They're the two largest um, uh, supermarket uh, companies, basically. Um, But that's not really the case. And so it would be helpful for the people to see like Kings and things that are actually their competitors in the region um, and to understand how they fit into the local market that there is the absence of a Kroger and they're fulfilling much of that role there. Um, and, and so otherwise I think people imagine that the market looks a lot like the market that they're in. That That's the biggest thing I would say, unless we, um, people tend to guess that, um, any other place that they're looking at, uh, any industry, any stock, whatever is going to look a lot like the other stocks they've seen, mostly the things that are around them. And so that can lead them astray when there's something that's very different from where they are. Um, and I think that's, that's just very helpful to look at someplace that might be different than the kinds of expectations that you have for it. Um, on the other hand, sometimes I see the reverse and I did, a. Focus Combine Daily, we talked a little bit about this. I do see a lot of stereotyping of certain places and stuff. I think it's very helpful to see those places to get a feel for to what extent that's true and what extent there's just people saying stuff about it um, based on the fact that they've had little experience with that part of the country or that kind of business, things like that. Mm-hmm. You'd also be surprised to every now and then you'll come across a message board where it'll be like this business is actually two hours away from me, but I haven't gone and visited it. You know what I'm saying? Or like the surrounding area or or taking a look at it and stuff like that. I mean, why do you think people are reluctant to, I don't think the boots on the ground and stuff. Yeah. I don't know the answer. I don't think people think of it as being part of investing, but like that's part that also just has to do with questions that I ask sometimes people when they bring ideas to me. Um, there's certain things that are kind of what they expect to do research on. And then there's certain things that aren't i think that um reading the 10k is considered a normal part of it i think screening is considered a normal part of it i think reading sometimes analyst reports and things like that some stuff online is considered part of investing and the normal stuff you do it gets less and less as it has to do with talking to people about it 
and also even just thinking about different things um, that might be related in some way to it. Um, even things online, like you're talking about satellite images and stuff. A lot of times people don't look at those things. Uh, in most cases where I've talked to people, even about the land, there's some bloggers and things who go into doing the real work, but most people I talk to talk to me about the land, but haven't looked at any tax appraisals of it, for instance, don't know the history of when it was bought and sold in the past. Um, some people do at least calculate what inflation would be over that period of time, but not even always that. Um, they put a big amount of looking at book value, things like that. Uh, most people I know don't do much of any research online into management, major shareholders and stuff. That's very easy to do. Um, we we're talking about how I don't use Facebook and stuff. Um, that's true, but it is useful for finding things out about people and stuff like that. So you can have a non uh, account you don't use to do that. That's what they call a burner. Um, a burner, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I mentioned that once before on something. Uh, I think I mentioned that on this podcast. I found so something um, that I figure was important from an auditing perspective just by looking on the Facebook of the person who I thought was the auditor. And there was sufficient information from that to figure out some stuff about what he did and stuff. Like, for instance, I knew that he only goes once a year to that company and stuff because he's plainly says that uh, if you know where the company is located and stuff. So, um you know, things like detective. Yeah, I'd say most people don't investigate the way Buffett's talked about that. You investigate the way a newspaper reporter would. A newspaper reporter would look into it that way. A detective would look into it that way. But you feel that an investor shouldn't look into it that way, I guess. Um, that's the Ben, Gra the ben Graham approach. Um, and, but his thing was trying to make sure that everyone could duplicate his approach, you know? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, he was teaching it to a class. So obviously, there is a difference there. Yeah, but I mean, even in his, in his investing, he often tried to kind of not cheat that way by feeling by using the fact that he could um, act, have access to certain people and stuff then otherwise uh, others wouldn't be able to. So I'd say that's a big part of it. We also concentrate more than others do. Um, I'd say the more stocks you own and the shorter the amount of time you own them, the less it matters to do any of this research. Uh, generally, we're more concerned with the business model uh, than a lot of investors are i'd say overwhelmingly we're concerned with the business model that's probably the most important thing so you know i mean you've been in management meetings where i ask questions and stuff i think a lot of them tend to do with um customer behavior um things like that mm -hmm. yeah yeah no definitely what's some other stuff that you enjoy doing on the trip we drank a lot of coffee we went to a bunch of different states i mm -hmm. think the flexibility of driving was incredibly helpful as you did say, we didn't go to New Jersey, but when you're driving yourself, you're able to be like, oh, actually, there's a company I'd rather see over here. I think on our next trip, we're going to probably go more west. We right. spent a lot of time on the East Coast. We have. So we yeah. have to go more west, which is nice. We'll go. It's, I, I would say it's probably sunnier and warmer, but we do live in Texas where it's yeah, warmer. It's not going to be sunny so warmer anywhere, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll be closer to water, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the flexibility, I mean, we could have stayed out there for another week if we wanted to or another two, whatever, you know, was possibly needed um, because we, we drove ourselves. Yeah, that's a really big advantage. So lots of people do. Um, you were saying about professionals and stuff. I think one reason is I was even talking to management of one of these companies about this. Um, they do sometimes go to events and definitely professionals prefer to have uh, an event where they get to see a bunch of them uh, present. And uh, when I've talked to people about stocks that they did have some firsthand knowledge of um, management and stuff, it's usually because they put on a lunch or something where they attended. Um, and so they got to see three or four or five companies or whatever, or sometimes the reverse, that company just did something 
and all of the different um, analysts got to, you know, analysts and um, portfolio managers and stuff got to uh, watch their presentation and, and usually get some free food and stuff. Um, so I think that's one of the ways that they prefer to do it. Yeah. Uh, the, let's see. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, visiting sites is very important, which is something that we do. I do like the flexibility of being able to go anywhere for that. So, I mean, literally we do put things in GPS and go from one to the next looking at them. Um, and we'll spend a whole day doing that, going back and forth between them. Uh, it would be more challenging if you were just doing it by yourself, too. Would it? I mean, it'd be more boring. I would say. Yeah, I, I could imagine that. I mean, it's an initiative thing. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, you know, At least we're doing it together, so it, it makes it... I mean, we drove a lot. Yeah, we, a but, lot. Yeah, yeah, but we were talking about a, a totally separate topic and stuff about inertia or the institutional imperative or whatever you want to call it, the Buffett talking about, right? That, that's what I'd say. Why do people do it? Why don't they do it? inertia is like uh the starting to do it and then i mean mo- i don't think that a lot of people do what we've done and then go oh you know i what's the point and then stop doing it i i mean most people that you're saying about whether they're professional or not haven't done a two-week trip to do research so i don't think it's a lot of comparing of the two things i think it's just that's the approach that they have and you wrote a recent focus compounding daily that I actually tweeted out today that I thought mm-hmm. was one of the best. I, I was saying, I'm like, I can always tell it's a great write up when I'm having a hard time choosing just one quote for the okay. tweet because there's a lot in there. Uh-huh. And you were talking about, um, you were talking about, you know, dry research wells is what you said. Yeah. And how a lot of times people could be like, well, you wasted your time. You spent a lot mm-hmm. of money. And what do you invest in one or two companies? Right. And maybe to yeah. get to that point, you visit or do some sort of scuttlebutt on, you know, with in mind, I don't know, a lot more companies than one to two. Yeah. So, but you were talking about how dry research wells is the cost of finding the gushers. And I thought that was great how you put that. Um, you know, so, I mean, how do you not get discouraged, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I don't get discouraged, but I most people I, do. The way yeah. I think about it is you're just one step closer to, to a yes or whatever. You're like, oh, well, you checked it off. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you compare it to other things. It's just what the job is. I don't know. And I, you chalk it up as a learning. I mean, you learn. I mean, and you never know. I mean, investing so cumulative. I mean, you could come back to it in three years or four years or two years. I mean, you never know what could happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's work. It's, I mean, it's what we do for work. So if this was... I don't know why investing sometimes is seen differently than work stuff, but if you're trying to find a drug, if you're trying to find a, um, uh, oil, if you were trying to, um, come up with an ad campaign, whatever, uh, usually you don't have one idea. And then just because you put a ton of time into one idea, you actually go forward with it. Um, but I have noticed that is a really, really big problem. Most people end up investing a lot in the ideas that they invested a lot of their time in. And so that's kind of this big issue that we're talking about. Um, When we do these trips, a lot of people, if they did these trips like we did, I have the feeling they would invest in like everything that they saw and stuff. Uh, Or they just wouldn't want to do it in things that they might not be that interesting to them. Um, We look a lot into things that... uh, I don't know, but that's always been the case for me. So it's not unusual for me to have researched something more than a person who owns the stock so when they talk to me about it, i'm like i've never owned it but they think i do because of the amount of research i put into it um and you know it's a question of whether that research pays off or not a lot of people think that a ton of research into a certain area doesn't necessarily help um 
in terms of the result that you're going to get. Because there's only a few key things that you really need to know. I would say, though, it's the confidence that you have in those few key things. So a lot of this research is not about finding it. It's not finding out something that other people don't know. It's finding out the degree of confidence you have in certain things about the business, which you could have already gotten from the financials. But say you think land, the company's land is on the books at an undervalued price and stuff. And so it's very cheap versus that. Well, then it becomes a question of how valuable is that land? Well, if you go over there and look around and you're like, oh, there's a lot of other uses for this land and, you know, suburbia is kind of encroaching on it more and whatever, then you can have a lot more confidence about that. Now, you don't that doesn't change your confidence about will management really sell this land if it comes to that or whatever. But it can increase your confidence level with that or decrease it or whatever it might be. Um, And that is a very, very important part of it. I don't think that you ever need to know more than three or four or five things about a company. But you, it is helpful to know them with a very high degree of confidence, you know? So from like a general perspective, what are those three, four, five things that you're trying to figure out? Uh, it depends on the company, but you definitely need to know about um, the quality and durability of the earnings. So what is basically going to be the return on capital in the future uh, that ties into capital allocation and growth and things like that? Um, what are the earnings now and how long will they last? Um, and then you have value, which is very, very important, but very easy to see usually. So value is not usually that complicated. It's, it's often the most important thing, but it's usually very, very easy to see. Um, so yeah, it it has to do with things about value and growth and capital allocation and what you might call quality or durability. Um, durability often being the most important of any of them. So like a common question for us is like customer attention, you know, things like that. Um, and why is it so high you know um that that kind of thing is i don't know like for instance talking to management um they don't put that kind of thing in the 10k but management's usually very willing to tell you what their customer retention is like exactly what it is and things like that there are certain things that they may not have you could find a lot of them investor presentations too yeah the companies give yeah that they may not have explicitly laid out for you that way a lot of times you have i guess a guess of all i mean when you analyze Mm -hmm. a company you could come up be like yeah you could just tell they're whether they're in that example customer retention is high or low so maybe you're going into meetings to almost confirm certain beliefs you have or disqualify them but you got to do the research beforehand to i guess make the meeting productive for everybody involved yeah, Phil Fisher talked about that. And I think that's very true. Um, we don't really talk to me. Don't just go in there and say, so let's talk about your business. Tell me about your business. You know what I'm saying? Tell me no, what you guys do. basically Whatever. we make guesses. I would say we make guesses. Um, yeah, I, I would say we have a guess that something's very important. Um, and then we ask, is that very important or not? Um, things like that. There's not a lot that... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how to compare it other than like a newspaper reporter. You think you know what the story is that you're going to write or whatever, and then you ask questions about those things that might get them talking on that topic. Um, you know, so I, I th- you already have the lead from other stuff that you have there. I mean, I mean, the way that I do it, for instance, is I do a bunch of research on a company or something. Then I write down a series of what would be questions, but they're just one word prompts. And then usually, I mean, you've been in meetings where I do this. I would say I don't generally look at it once I do that. I actually don't um, ever look at a piece of paper, or write down notes while in a meeting. Um, but I have in my head those words and stuff. And then if they go in a different direction, then I can, 
uh, go, you know, do that instead. So you're not just covering the same sorts of things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, what are you trying to, I guess, get out of the management? Is it just their general feel to the way that they answer certain questions? Do they dodge questions? Do you sometimes ask things hoping they would say one thing, but they actually say something else, but you'd like that second part better? Like, would you mm -hmm. rather say, would you ever change your dividend? And I know you've used this example before, but, and then they're like, no, we would, we would never cut our dividend. Right. You know, we want to have our dividend for 20 plus years and be on that mm -hmm. list. Is that what you're trying to do is just kind of get a feel for the way that they think about that? Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like the best situations is when you're talking to a management and they tell you one thing, but you know that if they were to say something else, like it probably would have sounded better to you. In a sure. Way. But they're taking the honest route with it. And, you know, you get a really good feel for the way that they think about it. Right. They're not just like selling you on something or trying to prop the company up or anything like that absolutely that's deceiving. that's very true the thing the things that are important are the unusual answers that aren't the answer that necessarily you would want an investor necessarily want the answer yeah. they're feeding you that way we've talked about that before sometimes before a meeting i'll say to you and stuff like what's the background here of what do you think they think this meeting is about and stuff like you know and that's very important sometimes in understanding how the meeting goes is who they think they're meeting with why they think they're having this meeting their reasons for agreeing to the meeting and just like all that kind of thing even down to who they are specifically because we're often meeting with people different people in the organization but it could be people at different levels and things like that and it's different if you're meeting with um someone who's in investor relations and stuff like that versus someone who is um uh, at other positions in the in the company and it can sometimes be different if the company for us if the company is very small and they think of us as being a potentially big shareholder versus the company is very big and we would only be ever be a small shareholder all those sorts of things mm -hmm. um what was your biggest takeaway from, from the, the trip, trip? um uh, my biggest takeaway from the trip was the difficulties of certain industries to get back to normal given COVID. Uh, they may be more severe in some cases than I, I had thought, I would say. For some industries, um, definitely. We spent time in hotels. We spent time in hotels where there was no concerns about COVID, no, no restrictions and things to ones that had extreme ones, even the same chain in different places. We spent time in different restaurants of those categories and the experiences were incredibly different. And the idea that the, um, with or without those restrictions, the businesses can be at all similar is it's not true. They're totally different. The hotel and the restaurant business are totally different depending on what your COVID restrictions are. Mm -hmm. about like masks and things like that yeah are you gonna ask me what my biggest takeaway was yeah my biggest takeaway was that we need to go on more research trips okay it's incredibly productive every time we're on a research trip <laughs> all right well, well we'll see when we left for that one uh we planned that one they were in a state of opening up many places now we'll see uh it'll have a lot to depend on where we can visit and stuff depending on what happens with covid mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and I on the Focus Compounding Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up, hit that subscribe button on iTunes as well. Download our backlog uh, very soon. Uh, you won't be able to get full access to it, but we're very excited for all the content that we're going to be pushing through there as well. We appreciate all the support. We will see you in the next podcast. Take care.